Hello, friends, and welcome to the True Living Podcast, where we are changing the conversation around your well-being. I'm your host, Alyssa Protzman, and in a world obsessed with quick fixes and instant gratification, join me here for real talk on living well through faith and how to steward your health, pursue success, and serve others for long-term gain. If you are ready to experience true wellness in your life, your relationships, and in your business, stay tuned as we bring you evidence-based and Christ-led resources for health, leadership, and growth. Hello, friends, and welcome to the True Living Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a good one, and we are talking about what to do when you are wired for connection. And I recently wrote a blog post on this with this exact title and just kind of wanted to come on here and also share some some stories and some of the specific research and some of the findings that I had um, when writing this article. And so today we're going to talk about how we're wired for connection. Um, We'll look at the research. We'll look at what, um, what God has to say about it. And We are also going to identify two of the lies, um, kind of the communication pitfalls that we often experience as human beings when it comes to initiating or pursuing connection in our lives. So these are are really interesting things that we can kind of unpack on a personal level. So stay tuned for those. And then I'm also going to leave you with um, seven tips to inspire greater connections. You can find these in the True Living blog, these seven tips, um, but we're going to kind of expand upon them here. And this is something where something is resonating with you. um, There's a place, especially here on Spotify, to kind of leave some comments like, let us know what are some of those things that really resonated with you. And maybe those are something we, we can elaborate on in future episodes. So the big question is, again, what to do when you're wired for connection? Um, a lot of this is really relevant to us, especially at a time when recently a lot of us were encouraged or maybe it was more enforced to to be isolated um, going through a pandemic. And that affected a lot of us. It created a lot of feelings of loneliness. Um, of disconnection, um, of dis-ease in the body, um, dealing with our emotions surrounding that isolation and just canceled plans, right? And um, maybe some of us experience loss as well. So there's a lot of disconnection taking place and there's a lot of hurt and there was a lot of grief, um, not just by by losing even a loved one who was dealing with illness maybe, but sometimes there's grief and just experiencing the loss of that social connection. Like your body's wondering, why do I, why am I being isolated now? So we have some, maybe some unresolved trauma or some feelings that maybe we can become more aware of uh, when we're looking today at what connection is and why we need it. Um, and one quote we can um, lead with is from Brene Brown. She says, connection is why we are here. We are hired wired to connect with others and it gives us purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there is suffering. Whew. Um, so I think that she really, she's a, um, a qualitative researcher. She's kind of looking at those social work settings of what people are experiencing. And then she brings us a lot of really good nuggets of information to kind of take and apply to our life and to understand that the people that she's seen go through so much trauma and what they've taken away is what they needed or what they were missing or what they were lacking is connection, that feeling of belonging, that feeling of being connected to somebody else group of people and knowing that 
You are either accepted by them, loved by them, cared for, supported by them. This is so key when it comes to all aspects of our well-being. You know, feeling supported and belonging really helps us feel motivated to do more. It gives us a sense of energy. Um, it really does impact our health. And we're going to look at how that actually um, is so in um, just a second, looking at the research. Many of us who experienced this firsthand in the recent pandemic um, have maybe reported anxiety or depression, um, and you're definitely not alone. The global impact of the fear and the isolation that was caused by the recent pandemic showed a reported 28% increase in reported depressive symptoms. So people going to their doctors and saying, I feel depressed. Um, and then a 25% increase in anxiety disorders. And that's from the CDC. So we know that when we don't feel connected, we are health suffers. So three of the major areas of research when it comes to looking at how connection impacts our, our physical health. And we can, we can kind of sum this up in three in three hypotheses or like theories. So one is the stress, stress hypothesis. And this looks at how human beings experience greater resilience um, during a stress response in the midst of stressful situations when they feel like they have social support. So in other words, we if we feel like we have a strong social support network, that means that we are more likely to experience greater resilience or more of a bounce back after a stressful event. So it's still going to rock our world a little bit, but we're able to kind of get back on track to manage our emotions surrounding that event, seek help, feel like we have the opportunity or accessibility to have, um, um, to receive help and things like that. So likewise, when we lack social support, if we feel like I do not have friends or family to talk to or near me, I don't know who to talk to from in a professional sense, either a kind of experience of loneliness can also impact our stress response so that it, and it impacts our neuropathology. So it actually impacts what it looks like in our brain, the type of matter that is making up our brain. And, um, over time too, when we address our thinking, um, around our stress response, that's also going to pave new neural pathways. We're able to kind of renew our mind in a sense by changing our stress response um, with mindfulness practices and things like that. So the stress hypothesis is really big, um, to, to, to really tell us how connection impacts our health and our ability to care for our health. There's also the vascular hypothesis. So this just shows uh, the relationship between our social well-being with that of our heart and our blood vessels. And the researchers have found that both the social isolation and loneliness, it increased the hospitalizations or death associated from heart failure. So we can literally die of a broken heart. Um, this is probably the one of the most well-documented and supported theories in the research, looking at heart and cardiovascular health with loneliness. And there's um, lastly, the third one that we can talk about here is the neural reserve theory. So this tells us that there's when there's more social engagement, when we're more socially connected and having contact with others, that then we actually have more protection. We are better protected against dementia and other forms of cognitive decline. So if even if we are someone who is at risk for dementia, maybe we see that in our health history and our family, uh, maybe we're already kind of experiencing certain symptoms as we age um, and we have questions about dementia or cognitive health. Um, these are things that even if we are dealing with things, even if we are in the midst of some kind of mental decline, we can still 
improve our, our management of that, improve our experience of that just by staying socially connected. So neural reserve is kind of where your body knows how to either compensate within the brain if there's issues going on. So, um, or it will, again, strengthen our resilience and um, it actually can guard against a decline when it comes to dementia and other symptoms associated with our cognitive health. So being socially connected is so, so vital for our health. And I don't think you would question that listening to this. Um, it's something that's something we all deeply experience as um, members of the human of the human race and as members of the body of the Christ is that we are meant to be in connection and it feels good when we're connected, when we feel seen, we feel like we have people that we can lean on um, or that, you know, and even being someone that someone can come to, right? Like we feel good when we're able to provide love and support and experience that into friendship as well. And it's so important for our health. That's why, you know, volunteering um, is shown um, to be so supportive of our well-being as well. It's good when we have purpose and we want to want to seek out relationship and serve others. We are driven to do that. We are created to do that. Another part of the research uh, that was looking at a study with with Dr. Cynthia Felix and her colleagues at the University of Pittsburgh, and they looked at 293 individuals who were um, a part of a community dwelling um, for for seniors. Um, and the participants in the study were an average of 83 years old. And they did certain brain scans, and they looked and saw that the, the individuals who reported greater social engagement, who felt that they were socially connected, well-connected, that those individuals had a more robust amount of gray matter in the regions of their brain relevant to dementia. So their body was, again, their neuropathology, the way that their brain showed up on a scan was altered just by their experiences um, feeling social connected. And so we see that this having a direct impact. And this is one of the first studies to be done with this kind of brain scan imaging. Um, and so there's, and there's a lot more out there. You can go seek out research. You're not going to find anything to, to rebuke it. Um, so in gray matter is so important on our brain. So you're going to see this a lot in studies. And this is, it's basically where there's a large number of neurons present. Um, and these are the ones they're, they're helping us process information. They're helping us release new information, you know, creating signals in the body to understand what to do in response to that. And it's also going to impact our response, our response time, our control movement, our memory, as well as our emotions. So um, brain health, you know, and we we can we can do this by seeing socially connected. Um, it's going to have a big impact on our our quality of life, especially as we age, um, or we want to maintain our um, integrity in the workplace and just be sharp for years to come. That's super important, especially when staying connected with family. So we want to bring forth our best self. So, but the good news is is that there's a lot of ways that we can we can improve and enhance our brain health. Um, and even moderate doses, if you will, of being with others, being in communion with others and connection in person with others is so beneficial. So even if we can fit in a little bit during the week, that is going to help us, right? So also a lot of activities that you can do to improve your cognitive health. There are so many activities that you can engage in to improve your cognitive health. Um, so some obvious ones are some um, board games. Um, actually traveling like long distance and, and meeting new people and um, problem solving um, while traveling is, is actually um, good for your brain. Attending classes and lectures or adult continuing education events, um, participating in church or other community type activities. 
Uh, we're in communion with others, getting together with children, friends, relatives, or neighbors at least once a week. So having just maybe one thing on the calendar that allows you to connect with others during the week and feel feel seen, be seen, and uh, maybe it's volunteering, um, or even just those of us who are married and live with other people. That is something that can boost our well-being as well, or even having pets. We also see evidence that supports our need for social connection and belonging in the Bible. Um, we see this right at the get-go in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, where we are made in God's image and male and female, he created them. That's what it says. So he's showing diversity and union. He's showing that we are made in his image, that there's that there's connection there. Um, and then further down in Genesis 2, he's also refers to being alone or out of being alone. It's not good. Like it's not good. It's not ideal for this man to not have a partner in life. And so he creates woman. And so we see how we are meant to be in relationship and we are meant to be in relationship with God. So our relationship with God is number one, our relationship um, with others is number two, how we serve and how should we show up for others. And the best way to improve that too is improving our relationship with God um, and our relationship with ourself, uh, making sure that we're being self-aware and um, treating others with integrity. So there's so much evidence that supports our need for social connection, our need for a sense of belonging. Um, and there is also some obstacles to this, right? So even in your life, you might be like, well, yeah, that all sounds great. I want to be socially connected. I want to invest in my relationships, but I just feel like I don't have time. Or I feel like there's some barriers there. Um, and I think there are certain situations that um, that take place that can affect our ability to, to be connected with others. But two of them um, that I want to talk about are, are more in line with our belief system. And I think that... Um, there are often lies that the enemy tells us um, to, to intercede in our pursuit for connection. So if you feel like it is put on your heart at any point um, to reach out to somebody, maybe you're like, oh, you know what? I know that Susie's going through this tough time right now. Maybe I should reach out to her and see how I could help. Um, or you know what? I just really enjoy hanging out with Mark and I really want to go to lunch with him, but he probably will think I'm weird or um, you know, things like that. When we're trying to connect with somebody, we don't always want to be the person to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable. But God invites us to be vulnerable. He invites us to have courage and be in relationship with one another. Um, and that's when real magic can happen. So a lot of times, and this is that scenario one, this is the first lie that when we feel the need to reach out and to be, to create connection, we often sabotage by um, listening to lies in our head about how we are a burden to them, that we are a bother to them, that they are too busy for us, too cool for us, too whatever. And the fact is that we are we are not a burden to them. And they have the, the ability to say no or say, oh, no, thank you. But we are showing them love by considering them. And by reaching out, we're showing a will willingness to create friendship and to invest in that friendship. And that feels really good on the other end. So those are things that when you have those feelings, those urges or impulses to, to reach out to someone and send a quick text or maybe a phone call or even drop it, something off to somebody to, to benefit their day, you know, to to capture those, because I think those are things of God. And those are the things that the Holy Spirit can kind of put on our hearts um, to help create connection with others. 
And when we sabotage those because we then overthink them or we think they're not realistic, you know, what can you do within reason to just help that person feel um, thought of that day? You know, don't save everything for a eulogy, you know, talk about people while they're here and just saying, hey, you know, I was thinking of you today and just really appreciate all that you've done for me. Just, um, and you can say, I'd like to get together soon or you cannot. So just by reaching out to someone doesn't mean that you're putting something else on your plate. If you are busy, um, we can just say, hey, I was just thinking of you, hope you're having a great day you know, or asking how some, how something is in their life. Um, and that can just go such a long way in supporting someone else's mental health. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's a challenge for you is that, you know, we, once a month, we make sure we're doing this. Maybe it's once a week um, or more often. Um, but if you, if you feel like having good quality friendships is a part of um, your, your wellness plan that you want to invest in the relationships that either you have or that you desire in your life, then this is something that would be a good goal for you. Something where you could say, yeah, once a week or you know, this often, I'm going to reach out to someone. I'm going to make a plan or just follow up and just show someone that I'm thinking about them. And what a gift to feel considered by somebody else. Um, so the second lie is when um, we feel the need personally to reach out and ask for help. And we respond to it with that same negative self-talk, that response where we feel like we are a bother or a burden, that others are too busy for us again, and that there's no way someone would go out of their way right now to help me, even though I genuinely need that help. Um, and that might help might just be being someone to talk to, having been lending an ear, um, you know, for you to get some things off your chest, maybe be so support for you as well during that time. Um or maybe it's that you actually need help. Maybe you need someone to drop off a meal or you just can't, you're a new mom and you just feel like you can't manage and you would love for someone to come over and just help you around the house. Um, you know, there's a lot of things where we feel like it's accepting defeat or we're showing um, weakness um, or we're adding something to someone's plate. But in all honesty, it can be quite a gift to others. Uh, think about a time that you were able to help somebody else. And even if there was a slight inconvenience, even if you had to shift some things around to make it happen, um, was it a gift for you? In the end, did you feel good about helping them? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if we're seeking it out only for that reason, um, but I think maybe this is one of those cases where you fake it till you make it and there could be some truth to that, uh, where the more often we reach out and we realize that it does give us a sense of purpose. We realize that it does help us stay connected and to feel seen and to start thinking more positively about ourselves and our ability to make a difference in this world. And I think we all want that on some level. Um, but um, if you are someone that is bad about asking for help, I see you. Um, and it, it can be a real challenge, um, especially if you deal with feelings of self-worth, um, you feel like you're not enough or not um, worthy of someone's attention or help. Um, but Or maybe you think, okay, maybe they're going to help me, but they don't really know actually what I need or they can't do what I actually need them to do, except what's being offered to you. Um, because you never know why God's bringing those people into your life. Um, and it could really for reasons you don't even know yet. So um, asking for help is something, if you struggle with that, um, I would just encourage you to journal um, to or take that to God and say, you know, this is something I struggle with. God, can you help reveal some truths to me to help me shift my perception of my worthiness um, or my, um, my worthiness for relationship? Maybe I sabotage being in deep, intimate relationship with others, being true and authentic in how I show up. And maybe that's something we need to address too. So again, these are some things we look at the behavior, then we can look at the emotions, the thoughts, and the beliefs behind them. But these two scenarios, I feel like are really um, something I've heard from a lot of coaching clients from friends and family and definitely experienced myself um, being that when we 
um, we sabotage the the urge to um, or maybe the inspiration to reach out to somebody and create connection. And then when we sabotage um, our need for help and reach and choose not to ask for help when we really do honestly need it. Um, but those are things that I think are really based and founded in our spiritual well-being. And if you are and if you are right with God and you are um, have a strong prayer life, which I always encourage, um, we're going to feel more connected and we're going to understand what God's truths are, what he says about our worthiness and our need for connection. And we can start changing our, our thinking and our, our emotions and our behaviors around that to um, just experience greater fulfillment in our, in our relationships. And it's such a, it can be such a blessing. Um, and then kind of help on all those other areas of our well-being because we feel worthy of change. We want to be our best selves for others. And so we invest in our physical health and we, we keep checking in on our mental and our emotional as well. So we've talked about and definitely established that we do need for connection. We are wired for connection, as Brittany Renown says. And um, I think we are all very familiar with what happens when we don't stay connected, right? Because we are wired for this, when we lack connection, when we feel alone, we feel isolated, or we just don't feel seen. Maybe you're you're in a sea of people, but no one understands you. You don't feel seen. This is often um, something that can greatly impact our well-being and cause suffering. Um, and so even the American Psycholo Psychological Association links social isolation with adverse health consequences. So including accelerated cognitive decline, so speeding up their, um, or increasing risk of dementia, things like that, memory issues later on in life, poor cardiovascular function. We talked about um, that and then impaired immunity, which is really key. If we live in anger, if we live in fear, if we're always in those emotional states, um, oftentimes that can impact our well-being because it puts us in a fight or flight. It actually affects our endocrine system, our nervous system, um, and our digestive system, you know, our body is in, um, a non-ideal state and we want to get into that rest and digest. So, um, social isolation and, um, loneliness and stress are so intertwined and the research is just so, um, so prevalent there. So I think really what we can do is just jump into what can we do about it, right? What can we do to help with loneliness? What can we do to support our mental or emotional well-being? Um, and I think the the number one thing that I didn't even write in the book, so I, I promised seven takeaways, right? Um, and I'm going to add one now. There's going to be eight. Um, but the idea that the number one way to increase this feeling of being connected um, or not feeling loneliness is by investing your relationship in the Lord and spending time with God and creating stillness and space in your day to be in God's word, to pray and have relationship with God, for him to fill your heart um, with his love, his peace, his understanding, and then being able to move through your day filled with that. And you will see such a difference in how you were able to show up, how you were able to be resilient, be adaptable um, when we stay connected with God, right? Um, so the other seven are... Um, these kind of go in line with that, right? We're looking at a relationship with God, ourselves, and then with others. So we do need to make sure we're spending time, um, creating time for ourselves. Um, but we want to make sure we're, we're putting time on the calendar to spend time with others. And we're fostering a sense of family unity and connectedness. So within your nuclear family, especially like, let's start there. Let's start at home. Um, if you, if you are married and have children, or even if you're just married or engaged for that matter, like how are you, um, every week, at least once a week, spending time with your family 
and um, making sure you're communicating openly, seeing if all your needs are met and then having fun, right? So tying that in and like family meetings are a great, uh, great opportunity to do this. Um, having family, you know, Friday pizza and movie night um, or maybe Sunday dinner uh, where you invite the kids over. So thinking about ways that you can create regular connection in your life. So it's an automatic thing and it just becomes a blessing um, that we can be grateful for. Other ways that we can boost cognitive health and help feel um, cared for and connected in a social way is initiating activities at home that bring about a sense of like comfort and creativity with one another. So this might be crafts, puzzles, board games, maybe even like music lessons. These are things that help um, boost cognitive function and right where we're in, and then we're in relationship with one another um, and we're getting to share those experiences when we learn together when we laugh together that's really when we create a lot of strong social bonds and then we build trust safety and and so forth so and then it helps us in the tougher times when we're with those individuals as well another tip is just to spend time with animals so if you don't have a pet um, maybe you can adopt a pet um, or if it's someone if you have a loved one in your life who is lonely um, you know, asking them if that's something that you can help them with, care for a pet and give them that, um, or even care for a plant for that matter. You know, having a sense of purpose, something that you're caring for is really good at developing a sense of connection. Um, if you do have time to volunteer, you know, offering to give a caretaker um, or like a stay-at-home mom a break, someone who is um, really in the trenches that you know that needs some time to come up for air, you can offer to help them. And being a caretaker is such um, also a very documented part of research where we see that that impacts our mental well-being, our social well-being, or emotional well-being, um, because it just takes a, a burden, kind of causes some, some compassion fatigue. It can impact our, our levels of resilience uh, when we are constantly caring for others and our, our cup is not being filled. So the number one way that we want to address that is making sure we're staying connected to God, to our source, but then also making sure we're asking for help and prioritizing some spaces in our weeks to, to fill our cup um, in a physical sense to make sure that we are able to care for others for the long haul. So it's true. We need to fill our cups. Um, another way that we can create connection in our world is by, um, in addition to volunteering, is considering considering missionary work or something that we can do, whether it's a short-term commitment or a long-term lifetime commitment where we are involved somewhere in mission work um, and sharing the gospel and things like that. And, and that can, what I've learned and and partnering and, and learning about other missions is that it can look a lot different, you know, um, it can be that you're, you're printing books, you're teaching courses, you're just doing small groups. Maybe you're having prayer circles. Um, maybe you are going overseas, but something where you are connecting with others and you're helping them stay connected to God as well. Um, and having that be the center, the focal point of that community, um, that can be a really good gift. Um, and, one of my last tips that I'm going to talk about is for business leaders. So if you are someone who manages a team or a network of people, um, this is something where we have the a really good responsibility here to take advantage of and to empower other people to take care of their mental health by creating standards and policies that allow them to do that. And we also create experiences where people can come together, um, have that shared, either shared learning, shared laughter. Um, you know, we see a lot of team building opportunities where people can, they're doing problem solving things together. They're building trust that way, right? Team building is not just trust falls. 
Uh, we're moving on from that. Um, but it's maybe if it's even having an employee assistance program where they have someone to reach out to if they need to for their mental, emotional well-being, um, or even massage therapy, different ways for mindfulness and relaxation practices to become more mainstream and accepted. And then also looking at your culture and making sure that people feel like they're able to take their breaks because that's a big thing in hustle culture is that people are not taking advantage of their breaks. They're not getting away from their desk. It's affecting uh, people get headaches or eye strain because they're not looking away or getting away um, as much as they need to. It affects ergonomics and our bodies. And then again, our sense of social connection and, um, even just being sedentary. So it's a, it's a big thing to pay attention to. And I think as business leaders, you have an incredible opportunity to steward, help others steward their health um, and just and making that a part of the normal conversation in the workplace and establishing wellness champions and the like. So I want you to consider for a moment before we um, close off today is how it feels for you when someone reaches out and says, hey, I've been thinking about you. Um, how's that one thing going that we were talking about? You know, how's that new job? You know, oh, I, I know you're a new mom. Uh, what's your favorite thing about being a new mom? Oh my God, I love that for you. What what could I do for you right now? Would a meal be helpful? And sometimes just asking people what would be helpful for them can be a real gift. I mean, just offering something. Food is never a bad thing. Um, so do you feel, you know, when those things happen, when someone reaches out to you, do you feel seen? Do you feel loved? Do you feel cared for? And how do you think that impacts your well-being? Um, and then think about what you can do to make someone else's day a little bit better. And then to encourage that mindset for them, that they are loved, that they are worthy of connection, that, wow, they did that for me. Wow. I must be loved. I must be worthy of that because they did that. Um, so again, when we choose to stay connected to God and when we can choose to show up and contribute to our families, our friendships, our communities, it really helps us meet our own needs for connection. Um, it helps us be more resilient in our lives when we're facing stressful situations and it helps us make a really big difference in other people's lives as well. So I hope this podcast today was helpful. If you think it was, please share it with a friend. Um, and you can also visit the True Living blog, www.trueliving.online slash blog if you want to read the associated article and just keep tuning in for more. Stay well, friends.